It's time for the View in Your Mirror podcast. I'm Katie Harms, and along with Lisa Rubin, we help you check in and curate the best possible you and the best view in your mirror. We share tips, tricks, and strategies from our 35 plus years in our respective industries. We talk about your day from morning to night and everything in between. We share our uniqueness, relish in our shared experiences. Along the way, we share conversation with fabulous people who give us their own thought-provoking insights. So come along as we help you hone the best view in your mirror. Lisa, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to sing, but Katie, Katie. Okay, here we are. Uh, You know, podcasts are evergreen. Yes, like somebody might be listening to this 20 years from now. Who knows, right? But the fact is, it is spring in our world. And with spring comes, I mean, everyone's getting bombarded, bombarded with cleaning out your closets, closet organization, all the things you should do now that spring has sprung. And people are getting antsy. We have almost an internal clock for this stuff, don't we? Yes. And people are definitely hating. I'm going to use that word. Mm -hmm. everything in their closet now. Mm -hmm. Like they want to get rid of everything in their closet. And I'm like, halt, 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 halt. You do not need to do that. (laughs) Let's talk about it. But yes. And beyond wanting to get rid of that, they're wanting to make changes on themselves or they're unhappy with themselves. You know, I was recently with a bunch of phenomenally fabulous women. And I think this is characteristic of every woman, because again, we're seeing these things on our feeds and all of that. And there's one thing I wish it could change is to shut it all off. And just to, how do we approach ourselves? Like we approach our friends. I agree. Our good friends, our real friends, the ones that we want to spend time with. Yes, exactly. And when I say, how do we, how do we approach ourselves? What's our first thought when we wake up in the morning and we look in the mirror? Is it like, oh, I don't like my chin or I don't like this or I don't like that. Or would we do that when we walk into the room and see a good friend? Do we look at them and say, oh, there's Katie. She's carrying a little extra weight in her waist. Oh, I'm just excited to see my peeps and be in their space. And we have beyond laughter and enjoyment and things that really soothe your soul. And yet we still treat ourselves so badly. Why? I don't have the answer to that question, but I have been working with women again for over 39 years. And I think that we are our worst enemy. You know, we wake up in the morning, we probably first go to the bathroom, right? If a kid hasn't woken us up or someone else hasn't woken us, then we maybe go back to our bed and we look at our phone, which either can be positive or negative. Then we get up because we have to start our day. And the first thing everyone does is looks in the mirror. And they probably don't say one positive thing to themselves when they look in the mirror. They look at something that they don't like. They go right to the negative. And I don't know how how we can change that quickly. But I think that, like you said, when you're with other women and you're all together, you're still in your head thinking all the negative things, but you don't think about that about your friend. You're always complimenting them. You're always building them up. You always say something nice to them. You were really speaking to the heart of it in that we have so many hats that we wear. And the last thing we do generally is think of ourselves. And so I think when we're feeling rushed, it's almost the frustration that you didn't give yourself the time 
or it's the recording in our head that we use all the time, every day, all day long. And we don't take the time to re-record. And so I just think that as women, we need to sometimes reset our recording. And a couple suggestions I'm going to make is that now that spring has sprung, take one thing about yourself that you might want to make a little change with, whether it be your hair, whether it be the color of your hair, whether it be changing just your nails. If you're a person that gets manicures, change the color. It can be very simple. Buy a new color lipstick. If you've always wanted to try some fake eyelashes, go for it. They're not permanent. Do something that will be just a little different. So when you look in the mirror, you don't see that same recording. I love that analogy of a recording. I think that's really fabulous. And how can we expect things to change if we don't make the small changes ourselves? Because the small changes will lead to big changes. And I feel like when we do this podcast, so often I'm talking to myself. I'm not any big expert on any of this. I just know that through tried and true processes that I've built into the place to be organized and tried and true processes that you have taught me, I can feel a whole lot better to start my day. I am less critical of myself. My weight on the scale might not be different, but how I look at, that's one data point of who I am. My wrinkles are all earned from life experiences. And all of these things are the things that I keep telling myself to get through the day. There are those affirmations. So you had a great idea. We were talking about it when we were putting the the podcast together. This is not related to an age. This is ingrained in us from a ridiculous amount of noise that's come in our entire, and when I say are, I'm speaking primarily of women, from the time we were young of what our expectations of ourselves are. So you had an idea of what it would be lovely to do moving forward for ourselves with positive affirmations. Yeah, I I suggested that everybody one time in a week, when you look in the mirror, give yourself a positive affirmation, pick something and say it to yourself. And don't just say it once, say it three, four or five times and look in the mirror and do it. Don't just say it and not look in the mirror. Because a lot of women really don't look in the mirror. They don't. I mean, it's a quick, yeah. I have one client who cares so much about how she looks with her clothes and I'll go to see her and I'll look at her and I'll say, excuse me, have you looked in the mirror this morning? You forgot to do your hair. Like it was, it's everywhere all the time. So I know she's actually not looking in the mirror. She might look at her clothes in the mirror, but not her face and not actually looking at herself in the mirror. And I think that's really important. Absolutely. Once a week is a good place to start and then building up. I'm going to add to that another thing that I think we can do if we're not already doing it is give a compliment to someone else. Give a random compliment to someone else because I have really come to realize in life, I feel better when I'm helping other people. That makes me feel good. And that doesn't mean I should ignore myself and my needs but it really does put me in the frame of mind. And if you're out on the street or you see somebody and you like their bag, or you just think they look all put together, or they just have a great hairstyle, or you know what? They just have an incredibly great look on their face. They're smiling. They're making you feel good. 
they're throwing out a positive energy, give a compliment. Give a compliment to somebody you work with who's done a great job that maybe you wouldn't think to do that. I think that expands our thought processes if we can look towards others and bolster others up. I agree. So let's try that, everybody. And then let's let us know how it goes. Is there something you're doing that really helps you get through your day and make you feel good about yourself? Yes, we would love the feedback. We always love feedback. Right. And if that can help, if we can help you to look at your view and your mirror in a more positive light, then we've done our job. Right. And that's why we keep doing this podcast. Exactly. Now we have a gal who is joining us on the podcast today, and she is an educator, a television personality, a speaker, and an activist. Michelle Young has inspired many. Her persona exudes charisma, positivity, and her message is strong and passionate. And if you don't know who Michelle is, she was on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. She was a fifth grade teacher in the uh, Minnesota schools in the Twin Cities and certainly took a pivot. She has her bachelor's in elementary education. She was a college athlete graduating from Bradley University. So she knows the division one basketball scene quite well. So she's been successful in a lot of areas, the classroom on the court and successful with The Bachelorette. And I think that one of the quotes that is very interesting to me that she has is in relationships, you must be completely raw and authentic because it's exhausting to put up a front. And what a beautiful message for anyone who is listening. And so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to introduce Michelle Young. Are you ready to elevate your jewelry and gift buying experience? Then you need Continental Diamond. Since 1981, Helene and Jimmy Pessis have been operating Continental Diamond. Their staff is highly trained, exceptional, and have been with them for many years, and they will help you find the exact right gift. For the past 13 years, Continental Diamond has been named Minnesota Bride's Best Jeweler. Beyond engagement rings, they have a large selection of fashion jewelry, timepieces, and they have one of the most experienced service departments around. You can visit them online at continentaldiamond.com. Go in and give yourself the gift of that experience. It's a special place located just 10 minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, right outside the West End. Plan your visit. Continental Diamond. Continentaldiamond.com. Well, we are so excited to have you with us, Michelle Young. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on our podcast and talk all things Michelle Young. Yes. Thank you for having me. We were talking a little bit before we started recording and you said something that's very interesting is you have gotten used to being uncomfortable. Oh, yes. Yes. I've gotten very used to being uncomfortable. And that's kind of been my motto since I've been very young is get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And what that really truly means to me is just the fact that I want to be the best version of myself. I'm constantly trying to learn something else. I want to have new experiences, new memories, and really be able to grow myself into a person who can make this impact and touch a lot of people. And you don't get that if you are complacent or you don't get that if you're just willing to, you know, just stick with your normal routine. And so I make sure that I'm constantly taking on new challenges and take saying yes to a lot of experiences, even if I'm nervous. And I think one funny thing is that there's a lot of people that look at me and I do have confidence, 
and all of that. But they look at me and think that I'm never scared. And that's not true whatsoever. I'm just comfortable with doing something scared. And if I fear something or if something is truly like uneasy to me, um, not like in a negative way, but uneasy and scary because, you know, I don't know how it's going to go or it might be nerve wracking. I don't let that stop me from, you know, kind of living through that and pushing through that. You really have come about your notoriety through The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, but your sense of adventure and your sense of wonder started long ago. What's your first memory of that? I'm going to do something that scares me. Oh, see, I feel like my mom and dad have always told me stories from when I'm young, just like I was just the kid that had no fear or seemed like I had no fear. And I just, whether, whether it was going up to a friend on the playground when I was like super, super little and just the social butterfly who wants to get to know other people, um, really kind of, you know, taking a leap of faith and moving into really committing myself to basketball and trying out for, you know, the top team in Minnesota when I was, you know, playing basketball in the summer. And it's just always been around that where I was always a risk taker and I would calculate it. You know, I wouldn't take a, a, I would use my own head and I wouldn't just go with the flow in the sense of like throw myself into a situation that could be dangerous. Um, But I definitely was a risk taker and I definitely love to try new things all the time. And so um, that's honestly how I came about dedicating myself to basketball is quitting every single sport, even though other coaches told me I was absolutely crazy that I was quitting the soccer team or the softball team or the volleyball team. But what I wanted to do is basketball. And I knew that I could play that uh, in college and didn't ever think that anyone could tell me no. And so it's not like a blind confidence, but <laughs> you know, if someone tells me no, I'll be like, I'll prove you wrong. Check uh, back in. Check back in later. <laughs> now we uh we found out that you and Lisa share something. Our birthdays. Yes. You share birthdays. So do you think part of the part of the confidence to move forward, does that come at all from being a Gemini? I know we're Geminis. Yes, Lisa. Um I, I, it could be, it, it truly could be. I feel like I've heard Gemini's are very, very confident. Um, but I also am, yeah, I have that sweet and soft side. So I'm a very driven person, but I'm also very like attentive. And I feel like I'm very, not neutral, but I probably would be a very calm Gemini if you would ask me, or if you'd ask my friends and if you ask my family, like I have a sassy side and I know what I want and I'll stand up for what I want, but I will definitely speak it in a very like respectful, calm manner. I'm not, I'm kind of seen as the friend that never really gets like fired up by a lot. If that makes sense. Are you the, are you the friend that people come to for advice? All the time. Yes. I'm the advice giver. There's so many pros and cons to being an advice giver. Yes, but I would say I'm definitely the advice giver. Um, And that might come from because there's just, I've had so many different experiences, but then that also comes for is just the people who are in my life. I really genuinely put so much time and energy into understanding them and getting to know them and, you know, observing or whatever it is. And so when they're going through something, I feel like I'm able to actually give them the advice that they need or, they feel that I understand them. And that's kind of been the biggest piece in my relationships. So and you you're can the be person that. that can give advice with no judgment. Exactly. That's what, I, I, exactly, that's what I'm, that's what I'm good yeah. at. Yeah. So. Giving advice with no judgment. And I think I, I will say, I honestly probably 
get that from my parents. I don't even know if it's like a Gemini thing, but I get it from my parents is my, my mom and my dad really created this environment uh, for my siblings and I, where we can always, or could, and still can always go to them to get advice. Um, and you know that you're not going to get this like massive reaction or judgment. Like, are you kidding me? What were you thinking? We know that we will never get that. A uh, prime example is <laughs> I was dating somebody at one time. I hopped out of the cab. We were in a cabin with my family. We were running home to grab something quick and coming back. And I had my mom's car. I backed it into a tree. Don't even ask me how I backed into a tree. I still don't know to this day because there was a backup camera and crushed the whole back bumper. And I remember thinking like, oh gosh, like I got to go inside. I got to tell them. Um, <laughs> my boyfriend that I was dating at the time, he was like, oh God, this is not going to go well. Family vacation is <laughs> going to be ruined because that's kind of how his family operated. I went inside. I was, I, I was ups- visibly upset. I said, I'm so sorry, mom. I, I just backed your kid. Like I just backed up in the driveway. I was looking, but I know there's a backup camera, but I, I hit a tree that was right out front. And my mom literally goes, and that's why we have car insurance. And that was it. That was her response. And so they had this really, really just amazing way and ability to respond to these situations where it's like, they already know I'm going to feel bad. So you don't need to pile on. You don't need to, you know, ridicule me. You don't need to lecture me. That's what we have car insurance for. And like, that was that. And then, you know, our day went on. Now it's a big joke. So I get made fun of at like every like family dinner, <laughs> like remember to show black to car into the, <laughs> into the tree. But yeah, it was just this very calm response. And I've, I very much have utilized that and carried that into like my friendships um, when I'm speaking with them is that you have a calm response. And I think that goes a really far away. Wow. I don't know that I can say that I've been anywhere similar to that with my children. And when they listen to this, they'll probably say, mom, do you remember your response when I did this or this or this? So uh, I could use some lessons from your parents, but you know, talk about, and and that probably led you, I having kids that are athletes, I want to talk about the shift that happens when that's all over. And then I want you to contrast that to the shift that happened when the bachelor bachelorette was all over. Those are big emotional moments. How did you navigate through them? Yeah. I think one conversation that a lot of people don't have, or I think I can kind of see athletes or former athletes starting to like raise awareness about this or have these conversations. But when you dedicate your pretty much your entire life, I mean, I started playing sports when I was five years old, like, like uh, organized sports. I was, had a basketball in my hand. I was doing gymnastics, whatever it was when I was much younger, but organized sports. And it was a very early age where I decided that I wanted to play basketball in college. And you dedicate so much of your life to that. And whether it's trainings, you know, driving, traveling, traveling the world and, and going to these practices and games and tournaments and turning down birthday parties, turning down high school parties, turning down prom, actually my junior year to make it to a basketball tournament. You spend your entire life preparing for this. Um, and you go to college and you play college ball and you live that dream, uh, to a certain extent. And then you move into your profession and it's over. And you almost have to like recreate that identity. And I was kind of in a tough position just because I know that a lot of athletes experience burnout. 
Um, and there's also a lot of athletes that you, you give up your entire life to go play the sport and then it doesn't turn out to be what you wanted it to be. And so there's a lot of processing that had to be done when I was done playing co- uh, college basketball at Bradley University. And luckily for me, I moved into my second passion, which was teaching. And that kind of was already such a strong part of me that I was able to hop to that. But what I didn't realize is that that's actually very uncommon. It's, it's not everybody knows their passion. And I was very, very grateful to know exactly what I wanted to do when I entered college. Um, and I was very decisive with that. And I had that inner fire around those professions and athletics that really like kind of made it feel like home a little bit, but it is a whole ordeal when that ends because you have to recreate this because you're known as the basketball player, even by your friends that know you really well, because all through middle school, elementary school, high school, you gave up all these parties and social interactions to go do this sport. And now that sport is over. And so it's, it was really just, it was, it was hard. It was really, really hard, but my mom and my dad were able to really guide me through those times because they knew Michelle outside of that. And I realized as I started to talk about it and be more open and vocal about it, it was my internal challenge. And it wasn't the fact that my friends valued me less because I was no longer playing basketball. I, they just, they were able to communicate that they see me as me and that basketball or not, I'm still, you know, I'm still the same person. The essence of you, the essence of you. And honestly, basketball is something you did. It's not who you are. Teaching is something you did. It's not who you are, although you're probably more the educator, right? So now go to the bachelor bachelorette. First of all, I'm curious how your parents counseled you when you came home and said, I think I want to be on the bachelor because that came before the bachelorette. And what was their response? Yes. I mean, how did you even, how did it even come about? That's a phenomenal question. So (laughs) I got nominated. I have no idea still to this day who's nominated me. I have no idea. Nobody is fessed up. Nobody is fessed up. And it, nobody has fessed up. And I even like, you know, once you're in between, when I was going between bachelor and bachelorette, I was able to, you know, I'm close to producers. I'm, I'm close to the people who do the, or, you know, are doing the uh, recruiting and stuff like that. And I'm like, please find out, <laughs> like, please find out. And it was an anonymous submission. And so we didn't have a name. We didn't have anything like that. And so I don't know. All I know is I got a call <laughs> and an email and I honestly thought it was a scam. I didn't respond to it. Didn't respond to it. They kept reaching out. COVID hit with teaching, which allowed me a little bit more flexibility to work from home, to work wherever we were from or, you know, going. And it kind of turned into this thing that just like was like this opportunity continues to present itself. Okay. I think I need to take a risk with this. Now I'll say this. I'm the biggest risk taker in my family. And that's something that they've had to really learn about me is that I take risks. And sometimes I take risks that other people don't understand. And I've always had my own mind with it. And so when I first told my mom and dad, hey, this like opportunity keeps getting presented. Um, and I got reached out to like very, very late. And so I got like ended up getting expedited through the process within I can't even say two weeks. Like it was so fast. Um, and it was really intense, but 
I was uneasy. I wasn't sure about it. I, you know, it was reality TV and you never know how much control you have or how are you going to be pictured? And a lot of times it's a mirror, but you can also get caught up in a situation that you don't want to get caught up in. And that's hard when you're a teacher and you're in this like role model position. And that was my other identity. You know, teachers, we apparently eat, sleep at the school. We don't have any other lives. <laughs> is what like, society thinks. Right. So, I, yeah. So, it, so it was, it was tricky, but in my gut, I was like, okay, I feel like I really should take this risk and I should take this opportunity. I'm not sure why, and I can't fully explain it. And I don't have the words and I can't tell you exactly how it's going to go but I'm going to do it. And there were a lot of, you know, times where me and my mom and dad sat down at the dinner table and wrote down pros and cons. And they were fearful. They were very fearful of, okay, you could go on this and then your career is over with how, you know, or people get canceled on social media all the time, which I hardly had social media. So it's like with me and my two pictures. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But, um, but yeah. And what I will say is that once I eventually decided to make that commitment, they were, they were on board. They're like, we support you. We wanted you to think about this. We wanted you to think about all these different things. This really worries us as parents. But at the end of the day, if you choose to do it, we will fully support you with that. And so I went into it really feeling fully supported um, and was just like, I trust myself to handle myself. Um, you know, you hear those horror stories about how people twist things and all these different things that are going on and you just don't know that world. And that's very, very true. But I was just like, I really genuinely trust myself to handle whatever situation comes across my plate. And yeah, so that's what I did. Were you surprised when you got yourself into it? The first round was everything you thought about what was happening or were you like, Whoa, didn't think about that. So I think I went in and didn't have these intense expectations just because I, I didn't know. And I, I was very, like, I'm a very realistic person and I am all about like genuinely kind of accepting the environment or knowing that like my gut will kind of lead me how it needs to lead me and like those social situations and things like that. Um, but when I got there, it was COVID. So it was so different. So we had to quarantine and then we had a bachelor who had never been a bachelor before. And so things got pushed back and things got delayed. And then all of a sudden part of us are not coming in on the first night, but then it was supposed to be the second night, but that second night ended up getting extended like weeks down the road. So like we're trapped in these hotel rooms with no phone, no, no computer, no anything. And I'm just like, this is insane. So when I ended up hitting the screen, it was literally like what week three, week four. And that's intense because you come in and now you're behind with like your relationship. Um, and every, all the other girls had made like friendships and kind of had that learning curve. And so you jump into a late learning curve, but for whatever reason, I wasn't like, I wasn't actually worried about going in late. I was just like, just get me in there. Just throw me in there. I'll figure it out. Like I, yeah, your level of uh, what level of competition was there? Like your competitive mind, where did that come into it or did it? Yeah. I I mean, I'm such a competitive person and yeah, I, I do think it came in, in the sense of when you're competitive, you accept challenges. And I think that when you're, people can kind of identify being competitive as like you proceed with blindness 
at times. Um, but like with me and my competitive nature, it was more of the situation of like challenge accepted. Let's go. Just get me in there. I'll catch up. And, and I did. And I felt like I was able to, you know, I came in week three, four, I can't even remember what week it was and still was the final two. And so I just trusted myself to be able to go in there and have intentional conversations to keep myself out of the drama um, and to like showcase who I am. And I really, I believe like I'm a huge energy person. You're in the room with someone, you're talking to somebody like you, sometimes you can say whatever you want, but your energy says a different thing and it can work vice versa. And I feel like I'm a huge energy person and I was just felt like there was going to be good energy and felt like I was going to be able to bring good energy. And I felt like that was going to take care of a lot of the different, like the things that I, you know, didn't have time to do earlier on. Well, and you're going to bring that good energy into that space too. So what you're doing is Mm -hmm. controlling some of that as well. Okay. So I have, I have a couple wardrobe questions about this whole reality (laughs) thing. Yes, (laughs) This this whole reality thing. (laughs) I mean, I forget that COVID played the role too. Like I forgot that piece until I know, till you just said that. So going to change the way I ask the questions, but clearly what you wore and how you presented yourself was important to people watching the show. Did you have a hundred percent say in how you wanted that? Or were there people there guiding you or did you, was it 50, 50? That's such a good question. So I'm very picky when it comes to fashion. Like I was picking out my own outfits when I was two years old, three years old. Um, Mom has a lot of funny stories about that. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. So was I. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes down to it. uh, Yeah. There's power of suggestion, but you can't put me in anything I don't want to be put in. So I really did work with the stylist and I love fashion. I am very decisive when it comes to fashion. And when you become the bachelorette or even the bachelor, you have this, these two days where you pretty much spend like 10 plus hours a day trying on dresses, trying on dresses or suits or things that you're going to be wearing throughout the season. And you get, you front load a lot of it. And then as you're kind of navigating through where your location is, you pick one that base that, that uh, sets the vibe or kind of fits the vibe. And so for me, um, because I was so decisive, the designer and I were able, or, or the stylist Carrie Fetman, who is honestly still to this day one of my best friends, were able to really like work with each other. And so he would tell me his, you know, what vibe I needed to be going for. Because sometimes when you are the bachelorette or you're the lead, you actually don't know what you're going to do. Sometimes it's a surprise for you as well. And so you really have to rely on the stylist or the producers to tell you okay, you can't wear those because you can't wear heels today. Like you're going to be doing something that's active. So you need to be putting on like a low boot or a sneaker. And so they would tell that to me, but I, in my season, I had full control, but that's because I was very vocal. I knew exactly what I wanted. I was not overwhelmed by the racks and racks of clothes. And I was just like, yep, I want to wear that one. Yep. I want this one. I want to pair this with this. I want you to cut this here. I want you to sew this here. I want to wear those earrings and I like those I don't care about my shoes so you can pick up my shoes so I was super super vocal it's so overwhelming that not everybody has that and not everybody's wired like that and so yeah I don't know it's just that the style is always so interesting and also you have to pick out so many dresses that a lot of times when like the audience sees a dress during the season they're like why would you wear that and it's like 
because it's this edgy, crazy designer dress that you would never get to wear elsewhere and you're on the bachelorette. So throw it on and not everybody's going to like it, but like once in a lifetime dress that you're never going to get to wear. So wear it now. And so, yeah, the fashion piece of it is that they really do try to guide you, but it's all about what you're comfortable with wearing in your own body. And for me, I was just very comfortable and I like being edgy and I like throwing a lot of things on, but if I don't like something, you'll know it and I won't wear it. (laughs) How about hair and makeup? Did you get to have a say in that? I pretty much did my hair the entire time. Um, Makeup, they do have like the first few times. Honestly, I don't know how it is for like the normal season because anybody who worked with us had to quarantine. And that means that you have to give up all other work. Whereas now out of the quarantine, you can have a hairstylist come in and go out. Whereas before they'd have to like quarantine for like four days, do your hair. And like, they couldn't come back and forth. We didn't have that privilege. So I'm not sure actually how much hair they do, but the makeup person does travel with us the whole time. And so, yeah, so I got to say like, I want to try this. I want to try this. I want to try this. And yeah, if, if I didn't feel comfortable, I wasn't going to walk in front of the camera. And you also sometimes think something might look good. And then you walk in front of the camera and you're like, yeah, no, I shouldn't have. <laughs> nope, that's not my vibe. <laughs> but you don't find that out until you're like watching it back. And so I think just people get, you know, we just like to try new things, but you do have the audience who's like constantly looking at you for sure. Yeah. Compare and contrast, Michelle, the difference between your bachelor season and your bachelorette season. So you're with your bachelorettes, bachelor season, you're with all women. You're, you've got these camaraderies built and all of that. And there's one guy and flipping yeah, that. I, yeah. I had a really unique experience, I would say, because I did come in late. Um, and so eventually, I mean, like Serena P, Bree Springs, Ryan, um, Ryan was my roommate hurt. Like that's my girl. That's the girl's going to be my wedding. You know, we're best friends. We talk pretty much every day. Um, but you know, she wasn't there the entire time that I was there. And so you definitely do build a lot of relationships and friendships for sure. Um, I think that I came into a really hard situation that didn't allow me the opportunity to build those until later on, just because I came in, um, they had been through a lot of emotional things. I had been through a lot of emotional things, you know, and anxiety sitting in a freaking hotel room for however many weeks, um, with no answers. And so we all had different frustrations. And so when I came in and got that first one-on-one date, uh, it didn't go over so well, if you remember from watching and there's definitely a target on your back. And so it, it did take people, um, a little extra time to warm up to me, no matter how, you know, nice I was. And so those friendships are very strong now, but as far as like building them throughout the experience, I had a fairly different experience. So yeah, it's so interesting. It's a microcosm when you think about just our lives and competing in fields with women. Now you're taking all that microcosm and you're competing with women for this one person, which is odd. it, It is so odd. It is so odd because God, I, in the real world, it's like, if, if I were to meet somebody who was dating several other women and I felt like I had to compete, I'd be like, nope, <laughs> see you later. And honestly, that's kind of how I navigated this same situation is I was just Michelle. So whether whatever date we were on, whatever activity we were doing, I like people. I love people. I would interact with people, including this guy. I would, you know, make opportunities 
but I wasn't out to get anybody and my focus wasn't on other people's relationships. I really did do a fairly good job of compartmentalizing. Um, but yeah, it's weird. It's weird. (laughs) I love it. it. You think that we have all sorts of other things we want to talk about. We're going to take a quick break, drop Mm -hmm. a commercial in. We'll be right back to talk more with Michelle Young. We are with Bridget Edwards from Sheer Brothers Custom Closets. Tell us what sets Sheer Brothers Custom Closets apart from the many other options people have both online and locally. Well, I think the biggest thing is that we've been around for almost 30 years. We started up in 1995, and what this means is that we'll be there if you want to add to your project down the line. Sheer Brothers Custom Closets is not a franchise. What does that mean? I think the biggest thing is that our manufacturing facility is located in the same building as our showroom and offices. So this This allows for great communication and latitude between manufacturing and design. Some companies have to limit their selections, shelf depths, and drawer depth, among other things. We offer complete customization without the added cost. Because we use optimization in our manufacturing process, you simply pay for the material that you use. Since we manufacture everything locally, our prices are very competitive. What's the best way for people to initiate working with Shear Brothers? The best way is either to call or you can go onto our website and from there a designer will be in touch with you and we'll get the process started. The website is shearbrosclosets.com. Phone number is 763-531-7400. And what's the usual time between contact and setting up an appointment? We try to give you a call or email back within 24 hours at the absolute most. I would have to say that Shear Brothers Custom Closets helps you get your zen on. Great way to put it. I love that. We're back with Michelle Young. And of course, when we when we take our break, we always have these great conversations. It's like, wait, we gotta, we gotta bottle that or bring it back on. Talk to me about the overarching experience and what you learned about yourself through this process of the Bachelor Bachelorette. I really do applaud all of the women that were on this bachelor season with me and even Matt himself, you know, being the first black bachelor, there was just so many things that we had to learn. There's such a huge learning curve when you come into this environment and, you know, we're everybody back home is still in COVID. Um, and that, that gives a lot of difficult logistics that are hard. Like you can't just, you know, run and give somebody a hug. You can't, you can't, um, come to a location and then immediately start filming. Like it's a lot of like different steps. It takes a lot more time. There's a lot more time to think. Um, and so it was really just crazy. You have all these women who are plopped into this season. Um, and it's really high energy, really intense feelings, but it's a new environment. It's foreign. And you're supposed to be able to open up. You're supposed to be able to be vulnerable yet. You don't know who you can trust. You don't know where you stand. You can't talk to your family. You can't talk to your friends. And so it's really hard because you're relying solely on yourself or potentially one of the other contestants, like the women, um, to confide in, but it, and that's what brings you closer because you do end up spending a lot of time with them for sure but it's really difficult. And it's also really hard to honestly not go into like that fight or flight mode because it is just so different and it is so scary. Um, and you don't know how it's all going to turn out. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. So you have to have a lot of self-trust. You built friendships though, didn't you? You have some pretty strong friendships that came out. 
I have some very fr- strong friendships that came out of this. And we kind of just always joke that everyone, you know, assumes if a soulmate is your partner who you spend the rest of your life with, who you get married to, all these different things. But I mean, me and Rai, me and Ryan and Claytor, she's my girl. And we say that we both ended up not being with anybody from this whole experience or this world at the moment. Uh, but we found each other and we would do it again, a hundred percent to have that friendship. Um, and that's what really, you know, means the world and her family, my family, our moms go back and forth and text each other and our best friends and, you know, playing family vacations together. And she's that person for me that just has been through it, understands the world, understands me through the, going through that time. And we really, we really, really do, um, hold, hold a lot of weight with that. That's fantastic. And that's that's the positive and the extra bonus that when you decided to try this experiment, you probably didn't realize that that was going to happen. So, yeah. And I had watched the show a few times, but you don't ever really know how it's going to go until you get there. And also you learn a lot about the women after the show, because like I said, a lot of people go into fight or flight mode. How do you not go into fight or flight mode? Because whether it's the logistics, the cameras, the producers, the, you know, you're having a conversation with someone next to you and there's like these massive cameras around you and you're mic'd up and there's like interruptions and it's a lot and it's, it's a lot to get used to. But I think a lot of the friendships do start to develop start to develop in the house, but then afterwards is really where they become solidified because you have to lean on each other as the entire world is watching all that went down. And then there's COVID that played in your experience. So like the bachelor and the bachelorette now that is being filmed is being filmed in a very different way than it was when you were part of it. And I think there's the pros and the cons of that too. And now the whole world is opening up, right? I mean, everyone's traveling. Everyone is having a peace of mind that they can go do whatever they want to do now. And a lot of people, let's talk about anxiety and mental health. Sometimes they don't know how to do it anymore, right? So I think there's also that piece um, that's happening in 2023. I'm finding that with many of my clients. Gosh, so, so much has changed in your life when you think of it. In, in a pretty short amount of time. So directionally, where are you going? What are you doing? What are you working on? The biggest thing that I really care about is that I'm a very passionate person and I can handle the spotlight, but that doesn't mean that the spotlight's always fulfilling. And so what I really want to do now is I'm a person who never had social media. I came into having social media. I have this platform and I really want to pull the pieces of teaching that I really enjoyed, which is making a difference, making an impact um, into that platform so I can make the biggest impact possible. And that's something that I've always wanted to do, not necessarily the social media aspect of it all, but I always wanted to make the largest impact, whether it was through teaching, administration, um, motivational speaking, those are all things that were always on my plate and on my radar. And so now I really do have that platform to do that. And so what I'm really focusing on is traveling and being able to do these seminars, do these different things where I'm speaking. Um, I'm taking a year off of education because I did experience that teacher burnout 
but now I'm able to actually make movements and create conversations around all the things that need to be done in order to keep teachers in the classroom because they have to be valued. They have to be taken care of uh, from a teacher herself who burned out. And ultimately, I also really want to make sure that I'm amplifying and lifting up other, others' voices. And so that's what I'm really doing with um, that my impact uh, movement that I started where every single month I'm throwing out a nonprofit, an organization, foundation, a cause to my audience. They're able to nominate uh, different causes that they know about. I'm able to interact with them. And then I have my entire platform vote. And that's where I focus on raising awareness for them. And so I've done things with Girl Well. I've done things with Project 99. I've done things with um, Hippie Feet and with Little Wishes where I'm kind of touching on all different surfaces and really making sure that these voices that are also already out there are being amplified and lifted up through my platform. When you talk about making an impact, who do you want to impact the most? I think from a passion level, really being able to create my own foundation so that I'm able to create after-school programs and give teachers and students who are at-risk students um, and youth and just like our future, gen- you know, our future, our future, truly, I don't even need to add a word after that, our future, our kids, um, our youth to be able to uh, support them in the best way possible and be able to inspire them to do great things, to be able to change the world to make a really positive impact. And I can look at everybody who is the same age as me and I can do that as well. Um, But it is also a really powerful thing to be able to inspire youth and so that they are growing up and doing the same. And I feel like that's where like the largest impact for me anyways is gonna come. Well, and there is, there's a huge crisis in education. And if we don't get our young people educated, who do we have to look for? to the future. And honestly, as a person who comes from Minnesota, uh, we had COVID hit, but in the middle of COVID, we had George Floyd and we had to, we were having those conversations in our classrooms. We were training our teachers and to have those conversations, those, what they're called restorative circles, where everybody sits in a big circle and, and you have these question prompts and you do have uncomfortable conversations. And I think it's really, really powerful to be able to inspire and give people safe spaces to think and safe spaces to have these different conversations but it it's a lot at the same time and there needs to be support with our students there needs to be support with our teachers and they're equally both important because in order to educate you have to have the person who's educating and that means we have to take care of our teachers and that's not being done right now yeah so true so true michelle and in Education by definition is learning. So that shouldn't stop and it shouldn't hit brick walls when there is so much discussion and learning that still needs to happen to get to a comfortable place. Yeah. And truly just really realizing that our world has changed so much. And we all, I mean, you take it out of teaching, take it into the world in general, just everyone has biases, everyone has implicit bias and, and really realizing, you know, sometimes it's always black and white of what's going on. People really have to take time to educate themselves um, and, and really take a step back and look at the different ways that like society and our system is set up and what it's gearing us towards. And I think one of the biggest things is 
not my biggest pet peeve. Honestly, probably one of my biggest pet peeve is when everyone's like, our system is broken. You know, our social system is broken. It's not broken. It's working exactly how it's supposed to work. And it's, it's keeping, you know, people who are supposed to be inferior, inferior. It's working exactly how it's supposed to work. And the biggest thing for me is just being able to have those conversations, being able to raise that awareness and, and having everybody understand that everyone should be educating themselves. That should never stop regardless. And you can learn in the incorrect way. And it's important to unlearn things, but it takes work and it takes consistency. And whether I'm, you know, I'm a black female, but whether I'm 29 years old or if I'm 101 years old, God, I would love to live to that age, but like 101 years old, I will still be learning. And that should be the case for everyone. And sometimes learning means unlearning. And that's the biggest thing is just, I care a lot about people. I'm very passionate about people. Um, But sometimes we have to really kind of take a look in the mirror and, and, and also evaluate (laughs) ourselves as well. (laughs) Oh, isn't that true? It's, it's funny. Um, our, our prequel to you coming on and introducing you is we're talking about how, as women, we need to take a look in the mirror as ourselves. And so it's nice how you're kind of bringing it to the end of the podcast and what you just said, it, it just kind of tucks it in, uh, all perfect with a bow because that was perfectly said. uh, Can I ask what, when you say like for ask, when you're asking women to take a look in the mirror, what is your like context or meaning behind that? Well, what we were talking about today is that as women, we don't give ourselves compliments. We don't look in the mirror and say, wow, you're really great today. You have a beautiful face. Look at your eyes, you know, Women wear so many different hats. And the last hat I said that we wear is to make ourselves feel better. So that was kind of what we were talking about before you came on. And I love that. Um, the whole podcast really started because we strongly believe that we all are unique in all the world, but we share so many things that are similar in how we approach the world and that the view in our mirror sets our tone for everything. So you happen to be sitting in a beautiful space right now. You've got these wonderful opportunities to travel and go and, but how you set yourself up for the day, how you look at your view in your mirror sets the, the content for everything that you do. It, it really does. And I'm a big person on affirmations and I've posted about them before. And it seems kind of silly when you wake up in the morning and every single week I do write affirmations on my mirror at home and you read them out loud. And it seems like such a, it seems like such a simple thing, but it, it really is just like kind of always self-checking that internal dialogue. And it sets me up for the day. It it sets me up to be a proactive person with my emotions and not a reactive person. It sets me up to kind of have like this toolbox of things that I can go back to when I'm having a really tough day. And especially as women, we wake up in the morning, we go in the mirror, we check, we got bags underneath our eyes. Like you don't, you don't wake up in the morning and look in the mirror, especially with curly hair. Okay. Like, like my morning <laughs> hair is on a different level. I, I, my morning hair is on a truly different level. It's got a mind of its own. Um, maybe one day I will get the, the, the confidence to post a picture of it, but it's just, you know, 
being able to wake up and look yourself in the mirror and like you don't have to look a certain way right like you don't have to look a certain way that's how you start your day and so now when at home anyways I haven't done it while I've been on vacation but when I've been at home you know you get up the first thing you see now the first thing that I see is letters and writing on my mirror I don't look into, you know, I don't look and look at my eye bags. I don't look and see what my crazy hair looks like. I might notice that, but that's like the second or the third thing that I notice. The first thing that I notice are the words on the mirror. And that's what I say out loud. And I look myself in the face while I say them. And it's uncomfortable at first. It's weird. You know, I'm thinking like, what are my neighbors next door thinking? I'm like reading these things. Like <laughs> you're going to have a great day, Michelle. <laughs> right? Like it's very clear that I'm talking to myself. But what I will say is that it works. It works. And it does kind of just make sure that I'm setting myself up to be able to handle whatever comes my day and, um, you know, comes towards me or across my plate that day. And it's it's one of the many things that I kind of speak about of lifting women up. And it's not that we just are broken or something, you know, all these other things have happened to us. It's the fact that, you know, society has set up a lot of different ways and there are a lot of reasons to why we are wired the way that we are. But if you're able to kind of peel back those layers, unlearn and relearn, then I feel like you are going to be a much happier person and much peaceful person. And that's what I talked about is the recording in our heads and we need to re-record. So Without even knowing what you were going to say at the very end of this podcast, the beginning of this podcast is exactly what you just said. And I thank you over and over again for talking about that, because I think there's so many women that will benefit from what you just said. And thank I'm, you. I'm so happy. And everything works out the way that it's supposed to work out. It sure does, but doesn't it? it and sure gosh. Does. Thank you for taking the time, Michelle. I want to talk about the nonprofit that you've brought forward, girlwell.org, before we leave. But I really want to tell you, it's been nice to get to know you a little bit in this manner because everyone knows you right from the Bachelor Bachelorette, but there's that's a snippet, a snippet. Like we all have snippets of our lives and careers. And I just applaud your fearlessness and your willingness to take a risk. We all have, we've talked to other people before, very accomplished women about imposter syndrome. And we as women all have that, right? We all have that to a certain extent. But your strategies for working through that have been so helpful. And it doesn't matter the age. It doesn't matter where the lessons come from. They come from all sorts of spaces. And you've just given us so an education. You've given us a beautiful education. I'm very happy to hear that. And I think honestly, the kind of the biggest message I was talking about some, I was talking to someone about this the other day is that you also like see this person on the screen and you feel like they're on a different level and they're on a different pedestal than you are. And honestly, anybody who comes up to me, I genuinely want to get to know them as a person or care about their story. And so whether it's people coming to say hi at the airport or at a restaurant or just at a social activity, it really isn't. I, I never see myself above anybody else. And it's, 
yes, you see this confident person on the screen and you go on social media and you see this these, all these other confident people. But at the end of the day, I very much am human and I have very hard days, but I'm trying to share what I do to try to keep myself on track so that I'm, I'm able to give as much as I can with the people in my life and also being able to make an impact. And so that's my thing is that everybody's on the same level and um, yeah, all, it, there's no perfection anywhere. <laughs> and beautiful what, place to come from. And beautiful what place I always to come say from. with Katie yeah. and with my clients and everything is we're all women. We all have the same parts and Absolutely. we're not any different than anybody else. It's how we present in the world that makes the difference. So, yep. And kind of <clears throat> that I talk about to my friends as well is, and just women in general is, to add on to that, take up space. It's okay to take up space. And that's when I, you know, worked with girl well and everything that was, you know, going on with that is that that's why I wanted to use girl well as my kind of this, this launch of what I'm going to be doing every single month and being able to launch Michelle young official, um, dot com just because I care about women. And I think it's so empowering like it's so empowering with what girl was doing. She was, you know, 16 years old when she started that nonprofit foundation, she's taking college classes, you know, okay. She's doing all these other things to be able to lift up women. And she's, she started this again when she was 16 and already thinking about other women who don't have these opportunities to do self-care, to do these facials, to do all these, you know, other things that we have the privilege of doing. And I think that's really important to share and women supporting women and you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. Um, but also don't be afraid to take up space in a world full of people who will also diminish the value of women. Don't be afraid to take up space, speak louder. That's, you know, that's, we, we don't that's, have to, we don't have to find our voices. We all have voices. Our voices need to be amplified. And that's, that's the biggest thing is that you don't have to find your voice as a woman. You already have a voice. Um, and, you know, sometimes it takes amplifying and speak louder. I love that. Girlwell.org. So yeah. girlwell.org. And the, give her the follow, woman give who her started it is now 18 years old. So she's been going about two years. The mission is to distribute self-care kits to undersheltered girls that often feel the most forgotten and overlooked and remind them how valuable they truly are. What a beautiful organization to be involved in. Powerful, especially, I mean, in the age of social media and you, I even think of getting ready videos. Think about all these like getting ready videos that are circulating where there's facials in this product and try this product. And it's all so materialistic and it's hard because that's what's seen as that's what gets the most likes. That's what gets the most views. That's what's seen as the most value. And it's just like, no, let's just take care of our bodies, but let's also remember the women and the girls who don't have the means to do that. And that's what girl well is doing is, you know, we were able to pack 150 bags and stuff them with, you know, some different fashion items, but also some different hair masks and some face masks and things like that so that they're able to really take care of themselves. Um, but they're the way that they see society also taking care of themselves as well. That's fabulous. And, and we, and each of our podcasts, we have a nonprofit. So our guests, we asked to do a nonprofit. So I love the fact that every month you're picking different nonprofits and going, 
going that route. I think giving back is the ultimate gift that you can give to yourself, really. So to see you doing that is incredible. And we thank you so much. If people want to get a hold of you, yes. how do they do that? Yes. Um, if people want to get a hold of me, Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok, it's all Michelle Young. And if you're looking to see kind of where I've been subscribing to my, um, we have monthly newsletters that are starting to go out. There'll be a YouTube channel in the future. There'll be a lot of really cool projects that are coming up where again, I'll be able to engage the people, the audience that follows me um, is michelleyoungofficial.com. michelleyoungofficial.com. Thank you so much. You are a bright light for sure. And you make Minnesota proud, of course. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Love you were an absolute pleasure, Michelle. Well, thank you for all the time that you've taken to not only interact and have conversations with me, but also with what you're doing on your podcast as well, because it genuinely does touch. And I can see that it touches a lot of people's lives. So it's all important work. So thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm just going to float through the day with just such good energy that she brought to this podcast. She's really delightful and amazing. And smart. I mean, extremely. I I like her attitude. I like where she comes from. I think that she is going to do really good things in the world. And like you said, you know, being on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette was a snippet of what her life is really going to be. But probably she learned a lot doing both of those shows to place her where she is now. Absolutely. And um, really what the message that she brings and the message that we talk about and that we bring is your positive affirmations, the things that you need to do to realize, to help you realize that you yourself, gentle listener, are phenomenal just as you are and bringing that to everything you do and realizing that the energy comes from within you that you share that grows your life and your relationships. And we all get stuck and we all get mired in the muck of day-to-day living. And it's up to us to bring that back to the center and the core that we are unique and wonderful in all the world. I agree. And I thought it was so fabulous that we did our prequel to the podcast And then at the end of the podcast, she basically was talking about what we were talking about. And we never talked about it before we started recording. And so I just really love how it was so important and it was meant to be. Was it kismet? Kismet? I think it was Uh, kismet. It wasn't Beshert. Was it Beshert? Beshert. 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 Meant to be. Meant to be. Absolutely it is. Well, Lisa, if it is meant to be that you're going to be working with people and giving them your incredible gifts of what you do, how are they going to get hold of you? They can email me at lisa at wardrobeconsulting.net or they can go on my website, wardrobeconsulting.net and contact me through that. And you, Katie? I am Katie at katieharms.com or katieharms.com. We both collectively are on the viewinyourmirror.com. You will see all of our episodes. You will see all of the nonprofits that we so gladly showcase. And we look forward to sharing more with you. If you have feedback, if you want to rate us, like us, all of that stuff you do on your podcast, we appreciate it so much. We want you to remember your homework. 
our gentle advice, positive affirmations at least once a week looking in the mirror because you are the best you that you can possibly be. So act accordingly. Until next time.